Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast, is proudly sponsored by The Terrace, the home of retro and fan culture sports merchandising. Check out their range of forest merch by visiting theterracestore.com or visit them on social media. The 1865 Match Report. Hello and welcome to 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast. Uh, I'm Rich Ferraro and we are recording the morning after Nottingham Forest recorded a one-all draw with Sheffield United with more late goals and late drama. And Forest lined up with a couple of changes to their team. We knew that Max Lowe couldn't play and Jack Colback slotted across to left wing back and James Garner came into the middle of the park. And Lyle Taylor came in as the centre forward ahead of Lewis Graben, who was rested and on the bench. I am joined by Stephen Topless. Um, Stephen, uh, thanks for joining us today. Um, do you think that's a fair result in the end? On the balance of play, I would say it was. I thought it was a good game of football, really enjoyable 90 minutes. Um, I, I looked at it and thought, well, Sheffield United were better in the first half. Forest were better in the second and on that basis I think a draw was fair but when you when you dig a little bit deeper I think Forest will come away from the game thinking that they perhaps could have won it uh Sheffield United were in the first half were better but I think that was down to Forest giving them a lot of space and almost a little bit too much respect allowing them to come forward and, and knock the ball around and have the time to do so Whereas in the second half, Forrest got on top of them and created more opportunities, put themselves in more dangerous positions. And I think with a bit more quality in the final third, Forrest might well have gone on and won the game. And there were certain incidents as well where perhaps Forrest should have had the chance to win the game and it didn't quite happen for them. But overall, I think coming away from that game with a point, given the another late goal as well to to get that point was fair on the night 
Mm. And just for the listener's benefit, yes, we are going to be talking about the referee a little bit later on. Um, But just on that topic of what you said in terms of the first half performance, it was interesting, really, because when Fulham came to the city ground, immediately after two or three minutes, uh, Baz and I were sitting together at that match and and we were kind of saying, well, you know what, Fulham are the best team, like man for man, they're better in every single position. Now, I don't think Sheffield United are man for man better in every single position, but you're absolutely right. They pressed us quite high up the pitch, didn't they? And it meant that Forrest, who under Cooper, the main no think difference we've noticed is that we've been playing 20 yards further up than we had been doing under Chris Hutton and under Sabri. And it was noticeable that we were pinned back quite a lot, wasn't it, Stephen? Yeah, and we were struggling to... To, to break through that press as well, which was the, the crucial thing for me. I think the midfield and the defence, there wasn't the link up in there that there has been normally. I think we missed that dynamism of Max Lowe on the left-hand side who could carry the ball forward and, and, and almost carry the team a bit higher up with him. I think Scott McKenna was trying to push out, but the rest of the team were struggling to do the same. And, and that's where in that first half, Forrest just kept... Uh, kept being pinned back in in their own half. Um, perhaps something to, something to do there with the team selection. Obviously, there was no Max Lowe, but Jack Colback moved across to left back, and maybe we did miss that that speed and that that ability to carry the ball higher up the pitch that Max Lowe gives you. And that's not a criticism of Colback in any way. I think it's it's just a situation that that the club's in with with the players available, and obviously. It seems Steve Cooper doesn't fancy Bong in that left back position, so that's a, a circumstance really of the squad and, and the quality available there when Max Lowe or you know, one of the fullbacks isn't available. Mm, yeah, uh, and and I think it's fair to say uh, Baz and Tom in the match report after QPR did say that was probably Lowe's worst match in a Forest shirt, and he looked quite tired. He looked a bit leggy. He he just you know, that speed of thought as well as speed of movement. So although it was an enforced um, change, uh, it wasn't necessarily the worst thing in the world to get for him to have a rest because I'm sure he'll come back raring to go. But what was interesting, again, and this is something whereby we've talked in the past about managers not necessarily having a plan B. Steve Cooper said that the reason he put Cole back to left back was because he wanted to give the players who were used to being in the team a go. So in that case, James Garner coming into the middle of the park, Colback moving across to the left. And as Cooper pointed out, he's played as an orthodox left-back in the past, never really played as a left wing-back. And that whole plan B thing, well, Cooper kind of touched upon it in a way because we started off with Taylor covering the left-hand side, Johnson playing as the you know right-side forward, and then Lolly playing as the, well, either call it a number 10 or a false nine, whichever way you want to look at it. But midway through that first half, they switched it around so that Johnson was really hugging the left side, um, which he continued to do for the rest of the match. And that was clearly a response to the fact that we didn't have that forward impetus because of Lowe not being in the team. Now, if we um, talk about a few incidences in the first half, well, there were two or three things to note. So, It's worth pointing out that for all of uh, the fact that Sheffield United probably were the better team in terms of pressing and so on in that first half, there was only one save that either keeper had to make all match. And that was um, an an effort from Jaden Bogle from an acute angle. 
it's one of those where Samba got down well because he was having to scramble across. He saved it with his legs and managed to trap it between his thighs, which was a stylish way of doing things, just like him. Um, but I suppose the talking point for Forrest was there are a couple of efforts. Um, one was um, uh, an effort from a corner. It looked like either Figueredo or Taylor um, got to the ball and it just squirmed wide. There's an effort from Lolly, which um, wasn't far off. And also there's a moment where Brennan Johnson ran onto it, uh, took on his defenders, got past one man, and then Chris Basham. There's a little bit of a collision. Didn't look like a penalty to me, but a lot of people thought it was. Uh, Johnson, there was obviously contact because Johnson had a little knock from it. Um, Johnson didn't look happy. I didn't think it was a penalty. What did you think, Stephen? I don't think that one was a penalty. Um, I think with the speed that Johnson moves at, the way he's playing, the only way you're going to stop him is by bringing him down. And that's such a real asset to having the team. Of course, you're relying on the referees to give the decisions when they're there to be made, but I'm sure we'll come on to that a Mm -hmm. bit later. Um, I didn't think that one was a penalty. Um, Probably, yeah, a bit of a coming together, but I wouldn't say it was enough to to warrant the penalty being given. I think the real talking point penalty-wise was the one in the second half, which was far more clear-cut. And Mm -hmm. I mean, on the referee... Yes, we're going to come to him, I'm sure, as well. But again, some blinding inconsistencies throughout the game and some very, very odd choices that he was making in terms of when he was giving free kicks, when he wasn't. There was a a moment towards the end of the first half where Sheffield United had a free kick and he allowed them to make up the best part of 20 yards. And he, I think he went to blow his whistle to to call them back and start again. And then he almost went, you know what? Nah, don't worry about it. Just carry on lads. And Forrest had a similar position in the second half, but there was no way that he was allowing Forrest to gain any yards from that. He was stood in front of the ball and not allowing Forrest to, to move a little bit further forward. So those inconsistencies there are, are the ones that drive you mad with, with officials in the EFL. And it's, it's a shame that we're having to talk like that again, really. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest, OK? Referees is something that we love talking about as fans, but we hate having to talk about. And in this match, apart from the inconsistencies you talked about there, there is that... I mean, the thing that we all want is you want to know what the referee's going to do. And we, for the third match at least running, you had no idea what the ref was going to give at any given point. Um, Sheffield United had two bookings. Uh, one of them was Lise Mousset, who it was a cynical chop um, on, I think, Yates. And, and there's, there's no argument there. Um, Norwood is an odd booking because it was a very soft foul he'd given away. Again, it's a cynical foul, one of those you'd expect your midfielder to do. But it's almost as though the ref wasn't going to give it, and then he decided to give it. Um, and I don't know if that's because Norwood said something, but then... After he produced a yellow card, then Norwood basically had a massive rant at him. It's like, well, ref, if you're booking him for dissent, then you're going to let him do that without any further censure. You know, at least tell him to shut up or whatever. And then Forrest had some bookings. And, um, like, I mean, we'll come on to Brennan Johnson's booking, but Toby, Figueredo, that was a fair enough one. He hauled back, um, I think it was Mousset. Um, But Yates and Worrell, again, you just kind of... 
Yates is a pullback, so it's a soft one like Norwood. Worrell, I have no idea. I don't even think is a foul. And you just don't know what any ref's going to give at any on any occasion. And it's getting so frustrating because not only do we as fans not know what's going to happen, the players and the managers have no confidence. And it's worth pointing out that Steve Cooper was booked as well. Um, so, Of course he was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, just one other incident at the very end of the first half that's worth talking about, which is that, once again, the quality of delivery from set pieces really wasn't that great. But right at the death, Forrest got a corner and uh, James Garner put in a good ball and a flashing header from Joe Wall. So that just went wide and you kind of thought, oh, that would have been a nice one to have stuck in. But nil-nil at half time, And then in the second half, well... Like you said, Forrest were much better, weren't they? And I don't know if, I don't know if that's a talking to, um, because shape-wise, they were still in the same formation. Johnson was still sticking to left. The thing I noticed is I thought that Ryan Yates was able to get forward a bit more effectively, push a little bit further forward. And, and, and as a team, we, we were able to get 10 yards higher up the pitch, weren't we? Yeah, and it was important that we we played like that in the second half and tried to to get back on the front foot because if, if we'd have carried on playing the way that, that things were going in the, in the first half, I think we would have conceded and we wouldn't have looked like finding an equaliser. So just getting back on top and, and just building that momentum through that, I think was key. And that's when you saw Forrest get on top in that second half and continue to, to keep attacking Sheffield United the changes helped as well in that second half. I think Zinkenagel coming on was was a good move, just getting him in there. That his ability to to hold onto the ball in tight spaces and uh, and start link up play was was good in the in the middle. Um, also, Lewis Graben coming on for Lyle Taylor, I think, made a big difference. Uh, not that Taylor, I don't think he wasn't trying, but he just wasn't effective on the night. Mm. there were a good six or seven times that the ball was played into him and it, it wasn't sticking. Mm. It was bouncing off his head, it was bouncing off his thighs, shins, and he, he just couldn't get the ball under control. And that perhaps contributed with us as well, being unable to get higher up the pitch because the ball would just go straight back to a, a blades player and we'd have to start defending again. So Graben coming on straight away, helped us to get a bit more presence up front and he was holding on to the ball, looking to make things happen with it. And overall, I think that just made our attacking play a bit more cohesive. Yeah, and and th- those subs were made with around about half an hour to go when it was still nil-nil. And um, of course, I would agree with you actually because um, Lolly actually had a good match in terms of his attacking press, but having Zinkenagel on just kind of, it, it beefed up the midfield area a little bit as well. So I thought that was quite um, effective, even though I didn't think Zink's actual ball playing was necessarily that good. I thought I was expecting him to do a little bit more with the ball. Um, but there you go. Um, now, let's talk about um, the big moment of the match at nil-nil. Brennan Johnson, on one of his runs, once again, he... he gets the ball, he runs forward, he glides past Bogle, who puts a foot in and then takes it out, knowing that he's going to bring him down if he does. Uh, Chris Basham went in, put a foot in, very similar to the first half incident, but in the first half incident, Basham got to the ball first and then made contact with Johnson. This time, I mean, is down in front of the Trent end, um, in the corner with the main stand. I sit in the Brian Clough lower, 
And it was as clear as day to me that that was an absolute stonewall penalty. It was as clear as day to, I think, everyone except maybe the A block and that far corner who wouldn't have had the same view. And yet the referee, fair play, lead outy referee, straight away decided, I'm going to give Johnson a yellow card for diving. And it was, well, I don't have any words for it. What are your words? Baffling. That's all I can say. Um, the way that Johnson was carrying the ball, the speed he was going at, the way that he goes down, you can see that there was contact made, even from my vantage point, which is Brian Clough Upper. It, it looked like something had happened. And for me, the, the most telling thing was that far side of the trend end, they were all up. They'd mm. obviously seen something that was an obvious foul and sort of something that only the referee, I can only assume, didn't see. And that tells you everything. And there, there weren't Sheffield United players running around saying that he dived or... Although there was a bit of a melee, ref- wasn't it? Because Brennan was absolutely livid. There was, yeah. I think that just started with, like you say, Brennan can't be- not believing what had, what had happened, really, and that the decision hadn't been given. Mm. Um, but I didn't see Sheffield United players, like how they do sometimes, surrounding the ref saying he's dived or you know, saying that the, the player's gone down too easily. I think the reaction of the crowd and the reaction of the players on both sides told you that everything you needed to know there. And in the post-match interview... When asked about it, to be fair to Steve Cooper, he did did keep his silence as much as possible. He keeps his powers dry, also, he? Yeah. Yeah, whilst also hinting that he wasn't very happy with the call. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've done all of this talking about the cat and mouse nature of the game. We haven't even got onto the goals. So we've brought on our sub striker, um, our veteran striker with Lewis Graben coming on. And of course, um, little Benny Osborne, who actually I thought was very good on his return to City Ground, got a nice round of applause. He was subbed by another ex-Red, Billy Sharp, on 76 minutes. And Sharp made an instant impact because he... um, there was just a moment where I think Figueredo looked across to the linesman for an offside and that lost him that half a yard, which meant Sharp was able to get down to the byline, put the ball across. And Morgan Gibbs-White, who I think, if Mitrovic is the best striker in the division and he tore us apart, you know what? Morgan Gibbs-White, I think, could well be the best attacking midfielder in the division. And he, in the first half, he really caused Forrest a lot of problems. So he got the goal that he deserved. A few Forest fans saying that they blamed Samba, but, you know, it's a Meg from close range. What can you do? Now, it's worth pointing out that, of course, that was a goal in the 78th minute. And yet, the big change, under Chris Hewton, we'd have given up and expecting to lose 2-0. Under Steve Cooper, we still thought, hey, you know what, we can can get something out of this. And, um, and, And the Forest goal came just, well, I think it's five minutes later. And, um, it wasn't a surprise, was it, that Forrest actually equalised? Although, well, so just talk us through the goal. Yeah, so it's it, the ball was with Jed Spence on the right-hand side and it was worked worked across to the left to Brennan Johnson. And he comes down the, the left-hand side towards the box. The ball comes in, it kind of pops up in the middle of the box and falls or drops rather, into the path of Lewis Graben and he instinctively prods it into the back of the net and 
from close range. And that is a, the perfect example of what Graben can do in that situation, being the poacher and sensing mm. where the ball's going to go and putting himself there to, to get the touch on and, yeah. and score the goal, which was obviously, I think on the balance of play was what Forrest deserved, but uh, I was glad that he'd got onto the score sheet because I think he'd been a big part in, he played a big part in Forrest being a lot better in that second half. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. And like you say, it was a real striker's goal. So Yates went for the header, didn't make much, if any, contact, and it actually hit Graben on the way through. But being the striker he is, he was able to set himself and poke it past the goalkeeper. And what's interesting about this, I mean, you've mentioned Steve Cooper's interview. I think, uh, once again, Forrest weren't hanging around. They immediately went back to halfway line, got ready to kick off again, thinking they can win it. Um, and it's also worth pointing out that um, Graben had had a sort of semi-chance across from Garner, um, which Graben was almost on the end of. And it's very easy for heads to go down and think it's not our night, but they kept going. And after the goal, they had a go as well. Uh, the other thing that you mentioned is, yeah, Steve Cooper got booked in his post-match interview. He talked about, um, you know, we feel that maybe we could have won it. He mentioned it was quite a cat and mouse game. Jukanovic as well, I think, will feel that it's a match they could have won because Sheffield United were probably better in the first half. And, of course, when you score a late goal, you want to see the match out. So, on the whole, I would say that um, that it is a fair result against a good team who've got Premier League players. So, the signs of progress are still there, even though it's now, what, three matches since we've had, had a victory. Definitely. And it's a great quality to have that despite falling behind, in some cases quite late into games like last night, Forest still have the belief and the confidence in themselves to go and find an equaliser and potentially even go on and win a game. We, we are at the end of games very strong, it seems. And yeah. We, I mean, we can't keep falling behind in matches and expecting to win because it's just you're just not going to be able to to carry that through. So that is something that we will need to to look at, and I'm sure Steve Cooper knows that as well as anybody. But it is a real it's um it's a real encouragement that the players don't give up and they they keep playing and they have that confidence in in themselves and as a team to go and take the game back to the opposition and try and find an equaliser. And I think what was quite telling as well as we entered injury time was that nobody was leaving the ground. Everybody Mm. was still in their seats because they felt something was going to happen here. And I can't remember the last time that we really saw that at Forest where there was that belief and that willingness to see what the team can do and and stay right to the very end because it's that entertaining and that enjoyable watching them. Yeah. Okay. Um, just a, a brief footnote there. The uh, sponsor's man of the match was James Garner, which drew a few uh, raised eyebrows, shall we say. Um, I, Garner was okay, but I think it's fair to say he was a bit overrun for some of the match. He, he gained confidence as the game went on. But um, as the announcement was made, it was like, the uh, man of the match is James Garner, as voted for by, and then a couple of people in the crowd, including myself, finished it by, as voted for by Mrs. Garner of Manchester. Um, Jed Spence <laughs> was, um, 
was pinned back in that first half, but overall he was the outstanding player. Really exciting to watch. And what's really interesting as well is it doesn't make any difference whether he's playing as a wing back or as a as a right back in a back four. He still plays exactly the same way. Plays like a winger. Um, and as we saw against QPR, he can defend as well. So so let's hope that his upward trajectory continues. I'm going to say thank you to Stephen and thank you to you, listener. Forrest's next match before the international break is against Preston on Saturday. We'll be there and we'll be bringing you a report after that. And in the international break, we'll have one of our monthly long shows. So stick with us. And in the meantime, thank you for listening. Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.